Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Drinks with Allie podcast, where we're talking everything from red, red wine to pina coladas. My name is Allie, and this is podcast number 35. Today is Friday, March 12th, making today's show a free-for-all Friday. So for the last of our series of shows, or maybe not quite last, about kick-butt women in alcohol, we'll take a look at a truly inspirational woman who tended bar and her most famous cocktail. But before we move into the main topic of today's show, I wanted to give you all a little update about that beer I helped lead on Monday. So originally I was going to ask all of the ladies who helped brew what brought them to the beer industry, but we were having such a fun day that I didn't want to interrupt the flow by asking people for interviews. So no interview show which, uh, we'll get there. We'll get to an interview show, guys. Don't you worry. Anyways, we brewed what will hopefully be a strong beer, um, so between 6.5 and 7% alcohol, in a New England IPA style. So a NIPA, as they're called, is hazy or a little bit cloudy, and the hot profiles tend more towards tropical fruit and juice versus a bitter profile. Um, there's no set style guide according to the beer judge guidelines, but they're definitely a popular style that's starting to appear everywhere in craft beer, especially here in North America. Um, so what does that mean? It means that our little beer should be very quote unquote crushable or sessionable. So very drinkable, um, as we say, while also packing a bit of a punch, at 7%. Uh, We had to use a special blend of hops for the Pink Boots Day, uh, which was a blend of, I believe, five different hops, which unfortunately came as a pellet, as a single pellet. Yes, hops come as pellets that look a lot like bunny food, unless you're going super fresh and getting super fresh off the farm hops in the fall which meant that we couldn't add for different flavor profiles. But yesterday we quote-unquote dry hopped, which is the process of adding hops partway through fermentation for different flavor profiling again. And the beer is rocking and rolling on its way to being finished fermenting. Then it'll sit for a bit, then we'll carbonate it, and then we will package it. I can't wait to try it in a couple of weeks, um, and I really, really can't wait to launch this fun little beer to the world. Um, We're hoping to do a bunch of launch events um, with the different breweries. There were four breweries involved, so we're hoping for four launch events. It means so much to me to have brewed this beer for such a wonderful cause and have had so many awesome ladies involved in it. Alrighty, so on to the main topic of today's show. Uh, Ada Coleman was the first female bartender, paving the way for countless women, myself included, around the world to become bartenders. Ada began began bartending at the age of 24 in 1899. Think about that, guys. 1899. Think about what rights women had at that point, especially as far as earning an income. Um, So at 24, she landed a job at the Claridge's um, bar 
in London, um, the, sorry, the bar at Claridge's Hotel in London, which had opened the year previous. Her father had been the steward at Rupert, Rupert O'Doyle's, or Doyle's, Doyle Carts Golf Club, and he also owned Claridge's, and he offered the job after her father passed away. Under the tutelage of wine butler Fisher, no first name given, Ada made her first cocktail, which happened to be a Manhattan. And four years later, her talent, hard work, and presence behind the bar earned her a head bartending job. So think about that, guys. It's the early 1900s. It's 1903 at this point, and she lands this job. So she landed at the American Bar at London's Savoy Hotel, um, which still is in existence today, both the hotel and the bar. And Ada wouldn't leave the American Bar until 1926 when she retired. There is technically some overlap with Harry Craddock um, at the end of her tenure and the start of his, but by all accounts, she was there until 1926. She was literal years ahead of her time. Not only were there very few women even behind the bar at this time, there were even fewer who managed to earn the title of head bartender. During her tenure at the American Bar, she regularly made cocktails for some of the biggest celebrities of the time. So think Mark Twain, the Prince of Wales, who was then Edward III. Uh, yep, the one who abdicated the throne and in doing so, eventually paved the way for the current Queen of England to be the Queen of England. Uh, Prince Wilhelm of Sweden and American millionaire Diamond Jim Brady. Her personality, though, made her popular not only with celebrity guests, but also with her average patrons as well. A true icon of bartending, for sure. Now, the only cocktail attributed to her in Harry Craddock's book, The Savoy Cocktail Book, was the Hanky Panky, though she was undoubtedly the creator of many more cocktails. Men. I mean, it really was common to not know the origin of many cocktails at that point in time. Um, we've talked about that before, right? Historically, we don't know where a lot of cocktails came from, kind of pre-1950s, 1960s. But I think we could assume that Ada Coleman created more than one cocktail in her 20 years as hard bartender at the American Bar. I don't know about you guys. I'm just assuming that I think that she probably had more than one that she could attach to her name. Okay, so the origin story of the hanky-panky goes a little something like this. Sir Charles Hawtrey, a celebrated actor, visits the American bar one night and asks Ada for a drink with a little punch. Ada obliges, serving Charles the following cocktail. We will get to a recipe. He's so impressed with it, he exclaims, By Jove, that's the real hanky-panky. The name stuck, and Ada Coleman's famous cocktail was born. Side note, at the time, hanky-panky meant pretty much the same thing it does today. It's not like bee's knees or anything like that, where it's changed the meaning, um, or the cat's pajamas or anything like that. Um, so, it pretty much meant the same thing. It meant that it was a little bit... Uh, 
mysterious, a little bit out there. All right, on to this cocktail. Yum-o. For this cocktail, we will need our mixing glass or a wide mouth mason jar. So this cocktail is stirred. It is not shaken. Now guys, if you're ever confused about when to shake and when to stir, if there is anything other than liquor involved in your cocktail recipe, you're going to want to shake it. So if you're putting fruit into your cocktail, if you're putting juice into your cocktail, if you're putting herbs into your cocktail, you want to shake it. Otherwise, you can pretty much just stir it. Alrighty, hanky-panky. So to our mixing vessel, we'll call the vessel today, we're going to add one and a half ounces of gin. London Dry is probably the best way to go for that one, but you can mix it up and try different flavor profiles. And we're going to add one and a half ounces of sweet vermouth. Then we're going to add one twelfth <laughs> of an ounce of Fernet Branca. So that's two dashes or half a bar spoon of Fernet. Um, Fernet comes in a bottle that doesn't have a dash or top, so you can probably better off going with half a bar spoon. We will add ice to the mixing vessel and stir with our long spoon or our knife or whatever it happens to be that we have on hand. Remember, we want to stir until the glass is frosted or our vessel is frosted or there's been one quarter or 25% of the volume added. So we have three ounces and a bit. So a quarter of that is what? Three quarters of an ounce-ish. So you're not adding a lot of volume. Just enough to dilute it and chill it. Then we are going to strain it into a chilled cocktail coupe or cocktail glass and garnish with an orange twist. So we want to express the orange peel over top and then twist it up and set it in the glass. And enjoy. It's that simple. It's a really, really simple, really, really fast cocktail. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, Allie, what on earth is Fernet Branca? Well, other than one of the most popular Mari with bartenders worldwide, but especially here in North America, it has a bit of a cult following here. It is, however, a, an Italian Amaro or bitter liqueur. Um, it is one of the most well-known bitters and was formulated in 1845. So Fernet has been used, produced using the exact same recipe since then. So since 1845, the recipe has not changed and it is a completely secret recipe. Nobody outside of the manufacturers really know what's happening. Other than that, we know that there are 27 ingredients, including such herbs as rhubarb, gentian, galanga, chamomile, linden, iris, saffron, zidori, mirth, and chinchona. Those are the only ones that are listed on the Fernet website. Um, so chinchona is a bark. It's what gives us quinine. Um, 
Iris is obviously a plant. Gentian and Galanga are bittering agents. We use them a lot in making bitters. Uh, chamomile, we know what that is, and same as rhubarb and saffron. Linden, I'm assuming, is like the tree. Um, mirth would be the same that is written about in the Bible um, and is a spice. So it's very complex, um, and it has kind of this weird herbal, spicy, but kind of sort of, I don't know, not coffee note, but sort of roasty like that. It is most often consumed as a digestif, so just in a glass after a meal to help you digest everything, which, by the way, guys, sounds like an old wives' tale, but it really does work. Or like if your stomach's upset, bitters in a glass of soda water really does work. Um, and in cocktails, it's usually a supporting member of a cocktail. Nobody really makes a fernet-forward cocktail, mostly because it's rather an expensive ingredient, at least here. Um, so most people just use it as a star, kind of to round things out. But in South America, and specifically Argentina, uh, Bolivia, and Uruguay, Fernet con Coca, or Fernet and Coca-Cola, is a super popular cocktail or drink. I guess that technically that's a mixed drink. Some stats even estimate that Argentina consumes 75% of the Fernet produced globally. That's three quarters. That means they're drinking like most of it. Everybody else is sharing a quarter of their global production, which is absolutely mind-boggling. That's crazy to me. I, I don't understand how that happens. But hey, I guess the Argentinians really, really love their Fernet and Cola. Uh, here in the U.S., or here or <laughs> in the U.S., and even here in Canada, it's more of a tribal rite of passage, often referred to as the bartender's handshake. Since when asking for a shot of Fernet, it's assumed that you must also be a craft bartender. Um, maybe a little less so now that um, there are more and more home bartenders and home craft bartenders, um, especially in the last year as we've gone through lockdowns. Um, but it's pretty safe to say that if you're going into a bar and you're asking for a shot of Fernet, that you're probably a bartender just like whoever's behind the bar. Um, but not all bars will have Fernet on their back bar. It can be a bit of a hard-to-find bottle, and it can be a bit of an off-putting flavor for some people. It's kind of like uh, chinar, which is an artichoke amaro. Um, it can be a bit off-putting. So, with that, guys, I hope you enjoyed another look, or a look at another bla trail blazing women in the bar and alcohol industry. Um, I think for next Friday's show, we might take a little peek at beer ladies. If you would like to leave me a question, comment, or a show topic idea, I'd love to hear from you guys. Um, I'd love to know that there's people out there listening. You can do that in a couple of ways. You can head over to the website, drinkswithally.com, and you can leave a comment on podcast 34's page, or you can hit the contact button and you can fill in the form and that will come directly to me. 
If you would rather send me an old-fashioned email, you can do that to drinkswithally at gmail.com. Remembering my name is still A-L-I. Or you can find me on social media. Again, all of my handles are at drinkswithally. You can find me such places as Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, MeWe, Pinterest, Spotify, and TikTok. TikTok is definitely becoming a very big place to be right now if you're into drinks. There's all kinds of people doing cool stuff over there. So with that, guys, we will wrap up another episode. I hope you fill your glass with something tasty over the weekend. Cheers, everyone.